prayed from time to time. We've been talking about fear over these last several weeks as we, as we journey through this Lenten series called Fear Not. And if I were to ask each of you to write down or share with me a, a fear that you have, I imagine every one of us would be able to share something very real and evening that you're experiencing to this day. If fear is left unbridled, it can take control and cause us to miss out on the abundant life that God has desired for us. And we hope that during this series that we've been able to grow in trusting God with our fears, that we might live by faith and not in fear. Today we're going to look at the fear of change, and we're going to seek how we might claim the power of God as we make adjustments in life to join God where God is and what to, to join Him in what God is doing. I've talked to a number of, of, of people about change over the years, and whether it's in a young family's life with a new child or sending a child off to school or in a retired person's life, uh, we all deal with it. One of the most prevalent changes that we see in the retirement years is sometimes we can't drive anymore, and that's a big change. So there, there's all kinds of situations that we, that we deal with. I thought about Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the founder, along with his wife Jeanette, of the Chick-fil-A restaurants. And there's a great story I shared with our church council in our last meeting in January that I thought might be helpful to us as we all navigate change. Their restaurant was founded in 1946, I believe, in the suburbs of Atlanta. It was called the Dwarf House at the time. And about 20 years later, they opened their first retail store outside of Atlanta in the suburbs. And as they approached the 90s, they started to get some competition. Up until that point, most of their competition was from burger restaurants and KFC and churches. But a new company called Boston Chicken came onto the scene. And they had an initial public offering of stock. They had experienced a lot of growth. And that offering more than doubled in the first day. It raised $51 million. And they were the darling of Wall Street. Their goal was to become a $1 billion company by the year 2000. So less than 10 years after the IPO. Chick-fil-A's executives were starting to be concerned about this. And acting out of fear, and they gathered together, and they even sent a delegate up to New York to talk to some investment bankers to see if they too should borrow money that they might grow. And they came back, and they were in the boardroom, and they were dealing with all of this, and there was fear around the room, and talking about getting bigger and keeping up with Boston Chicken. And Truett Cathy and his normally very quiet, subtle self the story goes, banged his fists down on the table and said, enough! Stop this talk about getting bigger. And then he said something profound. He said, if we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. If we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. Truett Cathy was not going to allow fear to determine their decision-making. Fast forward to the year 2000. One of their executives, David Sawyers, picks up the story. Boston Market, the name changed, same company, was in bankruptcy. 
and Chick-fil-A had reached the $1 billion mark in sales. And then just in 2014, as a side note, they reached $5 billion. What would it have been like if Truett Cathy, the founder of the company, would have reacted out of fear and made their decision to borrow big money to grow? No telling what it would be like today. But whether you're a business leader or whether you're trying to raise a family or whether you are a leader in the church, we, we can all agree that we experience change. We experience seasons in life. And if you're taking notes, the first thing we can remember is simply that life is filled with change. It just, it just is. Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament reminds us of some of the seasons that we experience. There is a time for everything, writes the teacher. A season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Seasons in life. One author describes change as shifting conditions as the sand on the seashore changes with the tides. Jack Welch, former chairman of GE, says today the only constant is change. So we're in an ever-changing world. Could you imagine if you were 100 years old what the changes would be like that you've experienced? We don't have a centurion. Is that the right way to say it? Centurion here in our church, but we do have a member who's about to be 99. Brucey e. East, who's right there in the middle, is going to be 99 in May. And I talked to Polly and asked her if it would be okay if I mentioned Brucey today. And she said, absolutely. And we could just imagine the things that Brucey and her generation has seen over the course of her life. It's just amazing to think about it. I mean, back in the day, a phone was for talking. Now, now people don't want to talk on the phone, right? My daughter's in sixth grade. She doesn't have any textbooks for school. It's all on her laptop. Parents don't get notes sent home about what's happening anymore. I kind of get afraid about that. Need help. Cars drive themselves. The cultural landscape has changed. Our county has changed. A recent article in the Times-Dispatch says that Chesterfield County is a majority-minority county, meaning there are more people who are from all walks of life than there are people who are the same. And if you think about the way you travel in this post-9-11 world, that's all changed. And the face of evil in our world today is changing. You may not be running a business. You may be raising children. You may be making career decisions. You may be trying to build a strong marriage. You may be trying to live a new normal. But we need God. We all need God in the changes that we face. 
I want to talk today very briefly about two kinds of change that we all experience. The first one is sometimes God changes our assignment. God gives us a new assignment. Think about that change is a necessary part of God's strategy. Gideon was a farmer and he became a general. Mary was a peasant girl and became the mother of Jesus. Paul was a local rabbi and became a world evangelist. David from a shepherd boy to king. Joseph from a baby to the prince of Egypt. Peter wanted to fish the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus says, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. God gives us a new assignment. Many of you have experienced that in life. In 1995, the Lord called me and Melanie to leave our home in Orangeburg, South Carolina to move to Richmond to enroll in the Baptist Seminary. And so my job as an insurance claims adjuster came to be changed, and then I was a seminarian. And then in 1998, when I finished the seminary, uh, God changed my assignment from seminarian to pastor at New Highland Church in Mechanicsville. And then in 2015, the Lord called and changed our assignment and led us here to HRBC in North Chesterfield. God is always at work, and He desires for us sometimes to have a change in assignment. And it has been a quick year. It's hard to believe that we are here a year already, and it's been great. I can't thank you enough for all the encouragement and the learning that you've helped me to do Uh, for the love that you've shared uh, for us and for your prayers. Uh, I look back and I just wonder where the time has gone. And so we're excited to be here and look forward to the uh, things that God has in store for us as a congregation. But there are other changes that come our way. The second category, change that makes absolutely no sense. There are some changes that make no sense. A tornado totally turns your life upside down. Or a fire on the marina in Urbana that took lives, innocent lives, and destroyed property. A diagnosis of cancer, a sudden job loss, the life cut short of somebody you loved, and there's loss and there's grief and you can't explain it or figure it out. And yet you have to try to navigate and find your way again. I imagine this is how the disciples must have felt that night when Jesus is talking to them and His words that He had shared with them before about Him not going to be there is coming to fruition. He takes bread and He says, this you do in remembrance of of Me for My my body will be given for you. And the, the cup of shed blood and the disciples are seeing this and I imagine the fear that they experienced that night in the upper room. And uh, yes, he had told them, but now it was becoming real. Thomas, Lord, we we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? We're afraid. What are we supposed to do? In John 14, 28, the passage we read earlier, all the disciples perhaps heard was Jesus saying, I'm going away. Maybe that's all they heard. They didn't hear anything else. And they were terribly afraid, so much so that the morning after Jesus died on the cross, Mark's Gospel said that they all deserted Him and they fled. For the disciples, everything had changed. God knew they needed a Savior and God knew they needed a Helper. And so the the next thing that 
we want to remember is whenever change knocks on the door as it did for the disciples, God sends a helper. The helper is the Holy Spirit. When God changes our assignment, He sends us a helper. When God is with us during things that make no sense, He sends us a helper, the counselor, the sustainer, the advocate, the strengthener, the one who stands alongside of us, helping us to weather the changes and navigate the changes we experience. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Another advocate. That's the Holy Spirit. And then John 14, 26 and 27. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And there's one little word in the Greek that we need to remember today as we hear this word, another advocate or another counselor. And that is the word that means another, translated another. There are two ways that we see this in the New Testament. The first word is eteros. And eteros means something that is different Another thing that is different, totally different. But the word alas means another of like kind. And the word that Jesus uses that John records for us is alas. A-L-L-O-S as we hear it, alas. Another of the same kind. When Jesus promised another counselor, he says the next one's going to be just like the first one. The Holy Spirit is no different than Jesus. This counselor, this friend, this helper, this comforter, this advocate, each of these means another one who comes alongside. And the Greek word is parakletos. Parakletos, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. That literally means to come alongside. The Holy Spirit is designated to come alongside us. Jesus was telling the disciples that everything was about to change by sunrise, they'd abandon him. By 9 o'clock that morning, the, the soldiers would nail him to the cross. By the next evening, he would, be, he would be dead and buried. And Jesus wanted them to know that they would never face the future without his help. And nor will we because the Holy Spirit is our travel companion. We have a helper. And it's the same as Jesus. Another one just like the first one. Everything Jesus did for His followers, the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy, Jesus taught, the Holy Spirit teaches. Jesus healed, the Holy Spirit heals. Jesus comforted, the Holy Spirit comforts. As Jesus sends us into new seasons, He sends this helper to go before and behind us. So we trust God to navigate these changes by faith and not in fear. And we claim this promise... We claim this promise, when everything changes, God's presence never does. When everything changes, God's presence never does. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, and he, he says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Martin Luther King knew this very well. At age 26, he was given the responsibility of leading, leading the civil rights movement in Montgomery, Alabama. 
he faced all kinds of persecution, whether it was from the KKK or the police. In fact, he was arrested for driving five miles an hour over the speed limit. And after he got home from jail, he received a phone call from a, a, and a menacing voice was on the other line, and he said some things that I cannot say in this pulpit. And then said, we are tired of you and your mess. And if you're not out of town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. How horrible those words. King was unnerved and he was very afraid for himself and his wife and his children. And shortly after that phone call, he sat at his kitchen table over a cold cup of coffee. He said, I sat at that table thinking about my little girl and the fact that she could be taken away in a minute and thinking about my dedicated, devoted wife in the other room at the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I went to God for help. I was weak. And he said, I discovered that religion had to be real to me and I had to know God for myself. And I bowed down over that cup of coffee. I'll never forget it. And said this prayer, Lord, I'm here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right, and I think what we're doing is right. But Lord, I must confess I am weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. And a voice came over him. He says, it seemed to me that I could hear an inner voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Martin Luther, stand up for justice. Martin Luther, stand up for the truth. And lo... I will be with you until the very end. The same words that Jesus spoke to His disciples when He said, I will be with you until the very end of the age. The voice of Jesus said, fight on, Martin Luther. I will be with you. I will never leave you alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. I will never leave you alone. Three nights later, that menacing voice made another phone call and it came true. They bombed his house. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But King was able to get through it because his religious experience, as he said a few nights before, had given him the strength to face it. Time and again throughout his life, Martin Luther King returned to that experience to draw strength and courage when he faced terrible difficulties in life. And you and I can claim that same power of the Holy Spirit no matter what we are facing, when things are changing, when there are new seasons in life, when we don't know what to do or decisions to make, we can claim the power of the Helper, the same one that Jesus spoke of just to the disciples. Because when everything around us is changing, Jesus Christ never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he gave his disciples a reminder of that. The same reminder that we hold today that we will experience in a few moments as we break bread together. 